I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So, Gail Martz, can you begin by giving me a brief summary about yourself and kind of who you are, what you're about, what your goals are, what you're doing right now? I guess I can. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Jimbo. And I love the fact that your last name is Paris because that happens to be one of the other places I live. So (laughs) greetings. Good morning. Let's roll. I uh, was a hostess with Trans World Airlines when I was 20 years old and I traveled the world. I uh, really lived life. It was a great experience. And then I came up with a great idea when I had gotten a dog. And my great idea was to create a bag that people could take their cats and their dogs and be able to get on board an airplane. So Sherpa was the name of the dog. And I named the bag the Sherpa bag. And then I began working with all the airlines to change their policies regarding pets on board in the passenger cabin. So that's where I started 33 years ago with that great idea. And then I laid a foundation so that I could educate, make people aware about traveling with a pet. It's quite interesting. So can you kind of explain why you had such a fascination with animals to begin with? Because I think there's always some type of interesting story about why people are just into animals or anything that's not really human per se. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think uh, if I go back in time, I remember going to Westminster Dog Show. I was living in New York City working from New York City. And I went to the Westminster Dog Show and my heart just opened up when I was with all the dogs. And and then I was doing the cat shows and my heart opened up even more with all the cats. And I knew people loved their animals so much that I wanted to make it possible so we could take our pets, cat, dog, birds. Birds were allowed. I had done everything to make it so birds were allowed too. But then once we had that avian flu, you know, all birds stopped being allowed on board in the passenger cabin on airplanes. But it's my love animals that really made my passion to be able to help them and help people be able to take their pet, I say, wherever they go. Why did you want to do this in the first place? Like, what was your goal? What was your mission in the future? What were you seeing as the end goal doing all this? Well, the end goal is I have a little dog sitting right around me over here, but I'm traveling. And so I want to be able to take her because pets are part of the family. And the unconditional love that you receive from them and all of the unbelievable things that they can do for us mentally, emotionally, lovingly, it's unlimited, the benefits of having a pet. 
Excellent. So I definitely now understand your motivations, but sort of elaborate more on how you got into the market in the first place, because I understand, you know, probably the pet product industry is very lucrative. So how did you deal with that competition? Was there competition? Were there any obstacles? Were there were there barriers of entry? Kind of go into that. Well, the first thing that happened was you couldn't get a pet on a plane. There was not a bag in the world that you could take a pet and travel with a pet and then get on board an airplane. There was at the time the hard plastic carrier, but it's when at that time luggage was shifting from hard to soft luggage. This is 33 years ago before you were born. So it was a transition with hard luggage to soft luggage. And the original hard plastic carrier was all that was available and that I wanted to be the alternative to the hard plastic carrier. And then my background, I had been in the handbag industry. I'm a professional photographer. So I worked with a company and I would photograph uh, Valentino when I was in Rome and Lanvin when I was in Paris. So I really was driven by bags and fashion and all of the things that, you know, how we dress, what bags we carry, you know, matching shoes, just fashion. So because I was in Paris and so much of Europe with the airline job, then I would professionally shop the markets to see what was a new trend, what was a new detail, what was a new style. So fashion is part of the story in my story. You had any other experience in flight per se? What what other advantages did you also have? Because you were in the bag industry as well. What else did you do? Well, I think the photography. So while I was preparing for my interview that I was going to do on the computer, so we had a big screen, I was gathering up some of the things. And I started with when I first created the very first original Sherpa bag, I would photograph Sherpa, my dog. That was the name of the dog. So then I I had to be that that is Sherpa in her Sherpa bag. So she was my best model. And I would do this. I had a 600 foot square foot apartment in New York City. And I would set up, you know, the lights and the cameras and uh, have Sherpa being my model in the Sherpa bag. So that's how it really all began was from a photograph. Because that picture is worth a thousand. And so I started with one card, one photograph, and I sent it to groomers, pet stores, every place I could think of. And I had a a wonderful partner in business. It was my mother. So she helped me thoroughly day and night for the process of really starting from a great idea to building a strong foundation and building a business that was became a global brand. It is a global brand. So the Sherpa bag is the number one soft-sided pet carrier in the world. Well, well you mentioned one person that influenced you, which was your mother, but were there any other people that sort of 
not really influenced you, but kind of taught you along the way how the industry works? The way I started was because I was working in the handbag industry. I went to Harold Sachs, who was the president of the handbag industry, also the company that I worked for. And I said, you know, I I have this idea and I really must do it. And where do I go? Where can I begin in the manufacturing? At that period of time, back in 1988, Korea was open for manufacturing. China was not open. In the United States, it would have been great, but totally out of line price-wise. And I had to come in at a price point that people would say, okay, yeah, I could buy that. It's $75. I could take my cat. I could take my dog. And that was how it started. So I went first to Korea and I had a design that I wanted to do. And I worked with the manufacturer in Korea to create the first original Sherpa bag, which is this one. And I ordered 1,200 pieces in black, medium. And that's how I started in New York City. And I keep on looking at those pictures. And is this niche down to mainly small dogs? Because you definitely can't fit a Doberman in there. No, no, no. Well, you can, you know, when they're probably like five weeks old. So, yeah. yeah and that was that was the other thing I always wanted to address. But I had to begin where and because major process to change policies on each airline's individual. They each have their own policy. It's not governed by the United States Department of Agriculture, by IATA, which is the International Air Transportation Association. It's the airline policy. So I had to go and meet with each airline and, you know, educate them and show them that this was really a better way. And people in the beginning thought, oh, you know, maybe that's, isn't that cruel? It's like there's so much ventilation and these cats, dogs are den, you know, they love that den environment. So I can't tell you how excited my dogs get. All I have to do is put out a Sherpa bag and they're like, okay, let's go. You know, I'm going to go. And cats, cats don't travel as much as dogs. But the real importance of a multitude of soft-sided pet carriers, but the Sherpa is the number one. So always get the number one. And it's guaranteed on board uh, the airplane. But I would teach people to associate that bag with a pleasant experience for their cat or their dog so that you just leave it around the house, you put some toys, you put some treats, and then they think, wow, this is great. I really like it. You don't use it to take them to the vet first because then they're going to it with, oh my gosh, I don't want to have that happen. You know, I'm going to get a shot. I'm going to get this. I'm scared. And so it was really to keep that particular bag for their bag that can be used in the car. You know, I began with the airlines. Then I 
was in Detroit working with the automotive companies. So it was for pet occupant safety because the majority of people are traveling by car. And how are you going to be safe with a pet in the car if you don't have them in a, a carrier, if they're small? And so I worked with the pet occupant safety in Detroit with all of the car manufacturers so that we could teach people how to be able to seatbelt the bag into the car. And we developed a special Isofix fixture and all that. But the car industry and AAA is like a very big thing because that's what people do. So, but that's the, that's talking about traveling. So if we deal with the current time where, you know, people were locked and locked down, shut down, and uh, it was all about safety at home and safety at home. When you get a pet to love this environment of their den, their own personal space, you always have safety at home when what's what has been happening always in California is we get these uh, huge wildfires. I'm sure you've heard about them. And it doesn't, the wildfires, there's the homes and there's that. And so it was always carry your pet to safety. Now for the larger animals, okay, you're going to go in your car. You want to go in your car. Or if you can't go in the car, you walk them, get out. You know, it's just get out. And so they, through the years in the pet industry, then they uh, they have the harnesses for the larger pets. So, you know, they have to be secured inside safely when traveling rather than, you know, jumping from the front to the back, wandering around. It's a very dangerous situation because a pet becomes a projectile. So if it's sitting there, and there's an accident. A car stops in front of you. Something happens. Somebody slams you from behind. And it's very dangerous because we're driven with the freeways and cars out here. So you need to really have them secured. And that was where I kept building more towards teaching people on how to keep your pets safe. Safe on a plane. Safe in a car. Safe at home. The Sherpa bag. Or... Let's go to the larger animals because we have all the products now that are available for the larger animals to seat belt them in safely. Very good. Very good. Now, you did elaborate on allowing, you know, the dogs to sort of breathe through the Sherpa bag. But I still feel like kind of elaborate more on why you would need a Sherpa bag versus a backpack, per se. Why can't I just stuff my dog in a backpack? Yes, let's do talk about that because help you because I just want to know. I'm curious. No, no, but as fashion prevails and the backpack, one of my best was the Sherpa backpack. Now the backpack was the most versatile of all because I could use it as a shoulder bag. I could use it as a tote. You know, use the handle and just tote it as a tote. But I could as a backpack and and she the dogs i had were female were very very safe in the backpack and then the backpack had all the features 
that the dog needed, like when they would go inside, there's, I always did a ring so that you would attach their leash to that ring, you know, so they don't escape from the bag. But all, you know, the comfort lambskin lining was in the inside, the ventilation, they're very close to your body. The backpack is, there's a lot of fabulous backpacks out now as well. But the Sherpa bag, I I call it a home within a home, a purse for you. It's uh, when I'm traveling, I just came back from New York. So I had one dog with me in her Sherpa bag with, you know, her little comfy blankets, uh, some toys, and just so she would be in there and be very comfortable and she's going to stay in there. Or if it was a trip to Europe, which is much longer uh, flight-wise from Los Angeles to Paris, they're very comfortable. You want to make sure that they, uh, you know, it's, it's always when you train them, it's like, if you knew you couldn't go to the bathroom for 15 hours, would you be eating or drinking anything? No. And this, it's the same with the pet. I mean, they really know when they're trained, you know, because all they can see once the suitcase is out, once things pack that, whoop, there's a trip coming up. So, but it's always to make sure because if you eat, if you drink, you will have to go to the bathroom. And so they really like to just sleep and they're very comfortable because they're in their own home. And that's what the bag becomes to them is their their home. You said your bags are for both dogs and cats. Yes. Do dogs and cats sort of have different preferences? I, I do know cats tend to be a little bit more isolated, a little bit more flexible. So maybe, oh, so the bags do look a little bit different. You know what I would do? Like I, all I did was, and then I had accessories, you know, I did mm. accessories that would go with each bag that would help you to travel and take more of the hassle out of travel. So let's just say Sherpa's in this bag. It's the same bag that you use a cat, that a cat goes into as well. But this accessory pouch on the outside is where, you know, I have the little cup for them to, they could have a little bit of water. An ice cube is what I always recommended. But I had written up on each bag, Travel Tales, uh, T-A-I-L-S, was written from my perspective. No, Travel Tales, T-A-I-L-S, was written from Sherpa's perspective. And Sherpa was the globe-trotting Lhasa Apsa. So she starts talking about, well, we have a trip coming up and, you know, I'm going to be underneath the seat. And and then at that time, when I began, it was $45. When I worked with each airline, you know, we had to set a price. We had to set all of the different things, you know, with so reservations would know, in-flight would know, all of the people involved in the whole process from cargo to all of the thing people had to be aware of people traveling with a pet so it just a way that uh everyone could be educated that was really very very important because the education and awareness is key and was key and then uh the picture was worth a thousand words there's another you know Sherpa in the bag with that and then I I needed to 
uh, have the travel tales from Sherpa's perspective. And she's saying exactly what you must do. I must stay underneath this in front of, you know, mother or, you know, Gail and uh, where, where you remain for the duration of the flight. And then she'd make these jokes and it was very funny. So travel tales was a huge success. Then I would write travel tips from the perspective of the, you know, travel ambassador. I'm a worldwide travel ambassador, but I would write it my perspective on exactly what to do. And then on the back of the travel tips, I would have each airline that the bag was approved on. So in the beginning, oh, I would be so happy when I change a policy because then I could add another airline. So, you know, that I was the most proud when the airlines would allow a pet on board and then a pet could actually get on board. And that involved the education and awareness of all the people at that particular airline so that they knew that this was okay. That's really good. So especially when you're elaborating on the airlines, you definitely have a lot of knowledge when it comes to the transportation of animals. But my question is, how did it get to there? What was your biggest failure that you ever had to encounter that sort of pushed you over that end and really caused you to transform yourself and your business into what it is now? I worked diligently with all the different uh, factors of involved with safety for the pet. And then when I started with the airlines, that was the biggest one. Then the automotive industry. And then making sure I was at all the meetings and at all the shows, along with my mother, who became Connie, because when you're working with your mother, you know, everyone like, you know, this is Connie and Connie. This is very important that you ask that question, because you need to have your financial house in order. And when you begin a company. I'm going to show you how I began, because this is 33 years ago. So we didn't really have computers. So Connie put in uh, this 39 cent ledger and she would list the, you know, my pricing. And then I would list my stores. And this book became a Bible. You know, it started out with these are my style numbers. And then the next thing was where I had my accounts listed in the, it's very important to keep everything in a separate list, which now with all the computer programs that we have, it's like, you don't have to have a ledger, but that's how I started. And I really had, I was taught by my mother who was in accounting, keep track of all expenses, document everything. Every single expense you have is part of running a business. You know, you need to know what you spent on a taxi, what you spent on airfare going to a show, how much the show costs, you know, every different thing had to be listed. And then the exciting page, when it had my accounts listed, then it would have each account and how many bags they purchased. I was in, at the time, it was called Sky Mall. And it was on board the airplane. And so in the passenger seat up front of you, you know, you pull out Sky Mall. And then it had the Sherpa bag in there. And and people, you know, would order the Sherpa bag. So then there's, uh, you know, well, okay, well, they ordered 1,200 bags this month or they did that. So the book, this 39-cent ledger, was how I started. But now computer-wise, 
you have every program that will help you to begin to run a business, to watch how to do a podcast, to everything. It's on, you know, what do we want to click? Safari, Google, whatever to search. And there's Jimbo Paris. I want to see everything you've done before. And I want to listen to the people that you've spoken with and learn from them. It's it's invaluable. Definitely. And, you know, what really hit me was definitely the financing part, because tracking your expenses for any business is important. It's not just that that's some very good general advice. And from what I'm getting here, the best thing you've learned is organization. Am I correct? I or- Everyone, uh, organization is the key to success. And if you're not organized, forget about it. You know, so it's like I, every single thing I would carry a notebook with. I mean, this is before we had our iPhones and our app, you know, iPads and everything else. But I would have notes, you know, on the different categories that I was dealing with. And then the expenses, you have to keep track of every expense and that's what Connie did that was she would total my expenses and then for let's oh say this month this month this month and then at the end of the year because when we had I think our tax time uh, moved to May 17th whatever but you want to be able to present your tax person with all the proper numbers and that's why they all must be documented it is imperative were there any other lessons you've learned specifically, or is that the main one? It's fine if it was the main one. You really must do is to protect yourself. So this is so very, very important. Protect your, you know, it's a brand. I'm building a brand. I had uh, patents and trademarks worldwide. So I made sure I was registered in every single country in the world. If I wasn't registered in China, well, they could do a sure, you know, if I wasn't registered here. So I had my patent and trademark attorneys, you know, not in the beginning. The beginning, I had to do everything myself. But then I had patent and trademark attorneys and then my other corporate attorney and my CPA, who were really the big help to me with all of that. Very good. And, you know, with all of your experience, what advice would you give somebody that would be interested in going into your career, what would you tell them? I would tell them to do your research. You have to research the market totally. And it's a global marketplace now. So you do your research, which it's so much easier now. You could do it online. Just do it online. What exists? I have an idea for this. And then just Google it, Safari it, do whatever. And then, you, you know, it's it's globally being done. So you just research your market and then see if you can find a void or, as they say, make a better mousetrap. Okay, this is something that exists, but, you know, it really doesn't work. So maybe I can make that better mousetrap. It's like that phrase. And when you say make a better mousetrap, what type of marketing do you generally do? Are you more of um, an inbound marketer or more of an outbound marketer? It looks like you like to lure in your audience a bit. I did. That's how, you know, when it first began with like how I was going to do this, let's just say at when I was a hostess. So now they're called tenants. Oh, so, you know, I had this up at the airports, each airport. And then I had a coupon where 
buy this, but you don't do things like that now. But then I advertised in publications, let's say at the time, it was dog fancy, cat fancy. So I would advertise and available at, you know, petco.com or available at better stores near you. So I had started with the major superstore in 1990s. That was a big thing because it was very, I'm very proud of that. And I am in communication with them now. And what the, uh, who was the CEO then, Brian Devine said, he'll introduce me. She created a category. So when you create a category, you must build a very strong foundation. And that is all done with the organizational, the tools that you have, and the protection that you have as well, because you do know that people will copy you. Did you have people that copied you? Well, yeah. And you know, (laughs) what my attorneys would say, they were great. I had a team of attorneys at the patent and trademark company as well. They would say nobody ever copied a bad idea. So it's like, yeah, I did have people that copied me. And it's like, I remember the first time when I went to a show and I would always be at a show like an hour or so before it opened. And so I could shop the show and see what was new, what was not new and what was happening. And I'll never forget the day. So here I am and I, I see there's my, the Sherpa bag, but it's not the Sherpa bag. It's somebody else had made it. They did exactly the same color exactly the same styles and everything. Well, I really, it made me sick to my stomach, but that was like, oh, okay, well, you can't just do something like that. So I called my attorney and uh, bottom line, there were always copies that came about. And I would go right up to the people and I would say, hello, I'm Gail Martz. I'm the creator of the Sherpa bag. And, you know, it's like, let's find a way that you can, change all of this because it can't be like this. And I've had a lot of people through the years uh, as far as copying a bag, yes. So your profession is a lot in the dog industry. And do you ever have to deal with stereotypes, myths, people that have a view that you don't really want in your industry? What really changed all the work that my team that I had regarding airlines and issues and all of that was once they started with all these fraudulent, fake, emotional support dogs. Oh, excuse me. They had the emotional support peacock. They had the emotional support. They had the emotional support horse. But it was like, oh, my gosh, it was it totally changed the industry regarding who's flying and what is flying on board. And what I really want to deal with are the people that every animal is emotionally supportive to us, but there's a place for each of these animals. Like there's a farm or there's an outdoors or there's whatever, but on board an aircraft inside the passenger cabin, you have people that of allergies. You have people that have, you know, don't bring a peacock on board because it's not going to fit underneath the seat in front of you. Really strict guidelines that must be adhered to. So they got rid of that. There's no emotional support dogs allowed, but you can show them, let's say a service 
dog. A service dog is so very important because people cannot live without service dogs that really help them to walk and move and find things. And I had also done, I, it was then called the Delta Society, but it became Pet Partners. And PetPartners.org is a fabulous organization that helps people that have these service animals to know what to do with them. It really helps them in their life. So every organization that could help the people I worked with, they help the people and the pets to help them be able to help them with their lives. So that was important. It's really interesting. And speaking of these myths, do you think people are more wary of any type? Well, it's COVID. You know, this is past COVID. So has that changed your business in any sense? Well, I'm more at this point. I have other people that uh, company and they do all of that. But you have to take the market like, okay. well, everybody thinks, oh, okay, you have to travel with this bag. That isn't the most amount of time you spend is in your home. So why don't we talk about safety at home? Because then I just have to bring up, there were huge, huge wildfires last year. And there's an organization called The Greater Good. And I made a huge donation to them of, you know, maybe 11,000 products to get help to the people that needed to get their pets out of these massive wildfires that we were having and continue to have in California. So uh, be, working with other organizations it, that really help the animals is, is what I uh, always have focused on as well. And when you work with these different organizations, is it any different from how you run your business in a sense? Because you're sort of going from a for-profit world to a more nonprofit sector. So does that sort of change your mindset? Do you have to switch some gears or look at the situation differently? Well, there are other people that the sale part of the business are running the sale part of the business. I'm more of the person with the that huge donation. I just took all the animals and the people that were here because of the wildfires and all of that. And then I felt it was very important that I my story in a book so then I wrote a book it's in the bag you know the cat dog tail and it's you know how do you turn a passion into a new business and what's so important I've always said to people you must do what you love you know find what you love is inside and find a way to make it work so the, the book was, I think the book, and then how do you turn a passion into a new business, tells you the stories of, okay, well, here are the copies, or here is a problem here, or here's what I didn't know. You know, I just didn't know this. So I I kept taking notes throughout my entire time. So it's like, this book is done, and then the next book is, you know, will be something that deals with it's out you know and it's like how do we deal with these things so I have notes for everything as I keep continuing on with my biggest goal which is one day to be able to take your pets wherever you go 
safely in a car, down walking them outside, you know, walking them outside. We're in Coyoteville out here in California. You have to be so careful. Now, they're telling in San Clemente. No, but the coyotes or the bobcats, they are all out. And so, you know, when you have a dog, and especially these small little dogs or a big dog, whatever, there's coyotes here. So that's dangerous. Bobcats are dangerous. <laughs> Snakes are dangerous. Be aware of your environment, you know, and always be prepared for safety. Okay, excuse me, sit. Okay, I'm so sorry. Why we were talking, this little dog said, I want to talk too, because I want to talk about a few things about what I like to do with traveling. And she has to be very, very well behaved, you know, and all dogs and cats. So again, positive association. So she saw I was having a great time talking to you, and she's with me all the time. So she said... Let me join in with Jimbo. Is that a new haircut? She's always like this, but she's a little, she'll be two in July. And she's got, the breed is called a Miki, M-I-K-I. It's a little rare breed, but she's on my website. It's Gail, G-A-Y-L-E, Martz, M-A-R-T-Z.com. Then you can see before her, there Kimba, who was, also they're just it's endearing loving as all dogs and are and they each have different personalities so and then I must train them to be photographed but I think she's doing a good job just being here on our little interview how many different breeds do your Sherpa bags accommodate for well when you mentioned what let's talk about all the dogs you know yeah. they have the Yorkies the Mal- the Chihuahua. We have uh, numerous small dogs, and then we have bigger dogs when they're puppies. Now, puppies can be transported in the Sherpa bag, so it, it's not a problem at all to be able to transport. And then, if you drive, you can also be driving. And but anyway, so it's like cats and dogs, and the small breeds take the small breeds, or you take puppies, you know, so puppies are being transported, animals are being transported. And then I think really we're talking about, we had a situation, lockdown, shut down, you know, stay out and do that. So it's like, I can put her in the car and go for a little drive, put both of the dogs in their bags, seat belted in. And then I just, you know, just a way fortunate i have the ocean to look at so i can take a nice view in it really helped keep working keep working but then you must take a and then you come back and you focus and uh, you know work your list of things to accomplish quite good i think another thing is you know people really have an attachment to their dogs at times and i think that part of that attachment is the safety as well and i'm just curious are there any like registered inspections you have to go through or other things that you have or credentials that this is safe? Yes, you really should. I mean, number one, one of the things that I wrote, but you know, you must make sure that all of their inoculations, their shots, everything. I mean, not that anybody's going to get rabies, but they have to have a rabies shot. You know, they have to have everything that must be totally up to date. Let's just say we're on a plane. 
Okay, well, now you have to have everything totally up to date within 10 days, no later than 10 days. So you see the veterinarian before you go. You have a health certificate that is filled out, and that shows that this pet has every single shot that it's supposed to have, you know, for every single thing that is needed on board an airplane. But training is a very big factor here. And it's like, if you're going to be goosey, but you're not going to get anywhere, you must train that pet. I don't want to see, I don't like to see dogs walking down the aisle as I did on my last flight. And because it's not, you have to be respectful of the other people on board the airplane. It's not about you. And speaking of that same respect, how do you think your customers give back to your business? Do they give you the reviews you need? Do they give you that type of content? Like, how do they kind of contribute? My customers were, they were my biggest support. And then when I would do, I did a lot of television and magazines and papers because, you know, the whole, I was living in New York City. So the woman next door to me worked, uh, she was the editor of Town and Country, or this person was wrote for the New York Post, or this one did that. And they all had animals. So they knew I was in the best place I could have to start a business was in New York City because so many people had dogs and cats and, you know, what can I do to make it safer for them? So that was how it started. And then when the publicity, write a story that can help people to learn. And it's like, I have to think of these things at like four in the morning or at different times. It's okay. I just, you know, now we can make a little recording. And then when it comes to a different time during the day, you put that thought to work. So it's really helpful. Definitely. And previously you talked about following your passion and following what you love. Can you kind of elaborate on why this is so important? Well, I say constantly do what you love in the places you love with the people and the people you love. So here I am in California, same philosophy. Then I'm in Paris, same philosophy. I have the people that will all help me and the stores. So if I want to go, if I'm in Paris, I go to one store and the dogs are groomed in that store and then all the products are there. And those are the people that really helped me to build the business. And, you know, by the positive affirmations that I received. Oh, the one of the other things, well, on the website, when you have a website and, you know, let's say you get testimonials. I had testimonials that really... I. I would always be on the floor, not in a chair, but I would be reading these testimonials and I would hear how I'm changing people's lives. And and it would be the affirmation that I personally needed because there's so many other to deal with in business. It's not easy. And when I was talking to try to help other people in business and then the company said to me, why didn't you tell us it would be so hard? I said, oh, it gets harder. You just develop more tools to help you to be stronger and better in every field. I think that applies. Quite good. And do you have any uh, final words to say to the audience? Well, I think it's always do what you love. 
And if at first you don't succeed, try, try. And I had to do that continuously. And you will find a better way. It really works. Very good. Thank you for being on this show. You were a great guest. Love the dog. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I'm so pleased. Thank you so much for what you do. And I'm really grateful. Thank you for listening to The Jimbo Parish Show. 